Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Data-Driven Security Podcast. My name is Jay Jacobs and welcome to episode 24 of the Data-Driven Security Podcast. And joining me again is Bob Rudis. Bob, what is going on? Oh, oh, Jay, sorry. Um, I, I was distracted because I, I was listening to our, our podcast on, on the Amazon Echo. On the Amazon Echo. That's the thing you talk to, right? Yeah, that's you, the, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's the, 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 the spook snoop device with the always on microphone that all cybersecurity professionals pretend to hate, but they all actually have. And um, we, we have actually managed to, for, for our listeners, to, to make sure that data-driven security is available whenever and wherever you are, oh, oh great listener. Uh, we we have actually gotten our channel on Overcast, so you can find us on Overcast, which is a great podcast app for both the um, the iOS devices and the Android devices. Plus, you can actually use Overcast in your browser too, so it's it, it's a great place to actually do stuff. But even better than that, we're now on TuneIn um, as, as a featured TuneIn podcast, and you can ask Alexa or just hit TuneIn to 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 go play data-driven security whenever you want. And I think you would it'd be great if you actually did that because right now if you say, Alexa, uh, tune in to the data-driven security podcast, you will hear our holiday episode. And it, it just it just brought a tear to my eye just with joy of, of how awesome that episode was, Jay. <laughs> it was awesome. It was. And speaking of uh, episodes, you know, we've been talking about what we're going to do in 2016, how we're going to break things up. And we've got some interesting episodes planned. But we're always looking for more guests. And so if anybody is out there listening, thinking, boy, I wish they would talk about this or, you know, I, I work in that field and I, I would want to talk about my stuff. And, you know, they, they got this totally wrong. I want to get on there and talk about how to do this part right. And uh, any of that, we would, we would love to hear from you or people that you know. You could contact us and say, hey, you should reach out to so-and-so. And uh, we'll absolutely reach out to them. Well, we can we can give our, our listeners some homework as well, too, because we're trying to put together an episode where we can interview really short. So we're not going to take up any of your boss's times or if you're a boss, we're not going to take up any, a whole lot of your time. But just want to speak to 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 CISO, CISOs, however you guys say that. Or um, if you're just a leader in like risk or, or whatever in your org where there's a focus on data science or, or not for a reason for any reason, uh, we'd love to talk to you. Um, we have basically set up a time to chat, uh, kind of throw out some interview questions, get get some feedback from you, just so we can get a perspective uh, in, in different real orgs, uh, just how data science is being used or not being used and, and, and why and why not. So if, if you can do that, just drop us a note. You can find us on Twitter. You probably, our emails are all posted everywhere. Uh, just hit us up and we, we'd love to talk to you or, or talk to your, to, to your CISO. Well, Bob, you have some new news that we haven't shared on the podcast yet, and that is that you've got a new job, and you've been there for about a month now. Just a little over a month. Um, right. So right after Thanksgiving, I uh, joined Rapid7, um, and I, I'm a data scientist at Rapid7 working with a team of data scientists and, and product folk, and it has been an amazing month, even with all the holidays interspersed throughout there and time off for various people. Um, I don't think I've ever worked at a better job than Rapid7. Well, I think I'm going to throw this out there, but I think we should get some of these, you know, data science people of which you speak onto the podcast and talk to them because uh, it's been about a month. And, you know, if we wait a few more weeks, 
get some of those people on the podcast so I can talk to them about what it's like to work with Bob Rudis. Wow. Um, okay. No, actually, so and, yeah. and or about data science. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's it'll be interesting both ways. And and actually, uh, I did sort of run that idea by 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 the folks there, and they were really um, uh, amenable to actually doing that. So we're going to try to schedule some time in the next couple of weeks uh, to talk with them. Uh, and really, they've they've been doing some phenomenal work there. Uh, well before I got there, um, and as, as I think as as I tweeted about a blog post that Sachin, one of the data science on the team, wrote for our, our twelve days of Hacksmith on Rapid Seven, uh, he did a great job with the blog post, and I added some icing to it. And I you really the, 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 these folks have been doing some great work already, and I think you'd be really yeah. interested to hear what they have. And and don't hold the fact that they're kind of a Python crew against them. I, I'm doing my best to convert them. So. <laughs> Yep. Well, we'll uh, we'll pay attention for that one and see what comes out of it. With us today is Charles Givery from Booz Allen Hamilton. Charles is not just a cybersecurity dude, not just a data scientist, but also an educator, focusing on helping professionals learn the ins and outs of data science. We start with asking him what we ask all our guests, which is how did you end up doing what you're doing today? Well, first off, thank you uh, both very much for, uh, for inviting me to come uh, and chat with you guys today. So my name's Charles Givery, and um, I uh, work as a I don't know, data geek, data scientist uh, at uh, Booz Allen Hamilton. So I have a somewhat unusual career path. I think it's somewhat, I, it seems like that's, that is kind of common in, in our, our field, but um, I was an, uh, actually a music undergrad. And um, I realized about halfway through that that I kind of didn't want to be. Uh, I didn't. It, I liked doing it, but I just did. It wasn't really the lifestyle. Really wasn't for me. And so um, I did what I thought I was else I was interested in, which was uh, get a, which was get into computer science. At the time, the internet was really taking off, and I was really interested in web design and building like more sophisticated websites than just like a typical one. And so um, I, I. Got a I ended up getting a degree in computer science from the University of Arizona. Right as I was graduating, I took a, my career took another slight detour in that 9/11 um, happened. Um, the way my semester shook out, I um, I had basically like one semester where I had to take like one class to graduate, but I was on a scholarship, so I could fill up my time with whatever I wanted. So I took all these Middle Eastern classes, and I really liked that. So I uh, I then decided I was going to get a degree in Middle Eastern studies. So I went and did that at Brandeis, got a master's, which led me to work at the CIA for five years as a counterterrorism analyst. And um, so I did that. Um, that was a great experience. However, I live up in Baltimore, and the, the agency is down in northern Virginia, and the commute just got worse and worse. And so at some point, I kind of decided that I, uh, it was just sucking the life out of me. So um, I uh, ended up getting a job with Booz Allen, and uh, that's where I'm, I am now. And I've been doing kind of a data analytics stuff um, really since I since I got there. Part of that too is that you're you're doing a lot of trainings, right? Yes. So in the last two years, um, one of my uh, one of my one of my bosses kind of asked me, like, "Well, what is it, what are the what are the key things that you think? What are the key skills that you think?" Um, you have that maybe other people on our on our contract don't or maybe aren't as pre prevalent as they could be and maybe start building some training around that and that was the basis for our first uh, data science class can you describe the type of classes that you've taught and that you enjoy teaching sure i currently work on a contract that uh, is it's 
uh, a very large like uh, network analytics cybersecurity contract. The first iteration of that class of my training were targeted towards the people on my contract. Then we started branching out towards the entire company. But um, basically, the first classes I taught, we called them like fundamentals of data science or uh, data science for analysts or hackers or whatever. And basically, what our goal was was to take someone who works in the cybersecurity realm or network analysis realm and teach them some data science skills so they can go back and do their jobs better. Um, we didn't really have the intention of making them like full on data scientists, whatever that means, but we really just wanted to give them some real concrete skills that would help them do their jobs better. In doing so, we kind of realized that, um, interestingly, a lot of the people on our contract, their, their Python skills weren't quite where we needed them to be. Um, so we had, we had some really talented people that we were doing great in our classes, but we realized that in order to really propagate this knowledge, we needed some kind of more like one level earlier in terms of like Python scripting. So I developed a, a Python for analysts class, which, um, which, uh, it's intended again for like someone who does network analytic work or cybersecurity work who maybe has had some coding experience, but hasn't really worked with Python. It teaches them. Python that you'd need to know for anal for analytic purposes rather than like just generic uh, coding that you might find in like a code school or Udacity type class. And then, I, so I've taught the Python for analysts, I've taught um, the data science for analysts. I also at Black Hat this year taught a, um, a crash course in data science for hackers, which was, which was fun. And um, I've done some training for managers and some like big data and data science, like literacy uh, classes for, for managers, which is, I, I feel like that's a very neglected uh, area and something that is really needs to, there, there needs to be a lot of training and in, in teaching the, the managers and bosses what, what is going on with this, uh, with the whole data science thing and the, the kind of data revolution that's happening around us. How, how would you say that managers are different from uh, say practitioners when you're teaching? I would say that the the things that a manager would need to know would be more along the lines of like how do you build a team? What skills do you look for? Um, how do you kind of sell the whole idea of doing a data driven project to like the most senior management? Um, those kinds of things, rather than and understanding kind of what what is possible, what technical resources are needed, those kinds of things. Basically, getting them to the point where they they can form a vision of what's possible within their organization instead of just like jumping on every buzzword that's out there. It's really great that you've done a lot of focus on teaching the managers of the data science teams, because as much as data science is this brand new field or even pseudo field as some folks might, 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 might think of it, um, being able to wrangle those people that are doing the data wrangling and data analysis is, is equally uh, almost more important because you, like, like you just said, you have to be able to take the information that, that they're creating and, show how it you know, can be used for the organization. But w one thing that's fascinated me about like just the background when we were kind of doing like the pre-show stuff and, and, and just kind of the, the, the early show stuff, um, you know, you, you focus a lot on teaching professionals and you know, it, that that's different than teaching, you know, folks that are just college grads or high school or whatever. So like, what is it that you enjoy about teaching professionals? I really like teaching professionals be because they're, they're there really to learn and there's not this pressure of like grades and uh you know and, and teaching them extraneous things they're on you know time is short um and they're really there to learn they're focused and also they have a lot of skills and experience from which to draw so you really get like 
really amazing students and it's really it's a lot it's a lot of fun as a teacher to engage with um with uh you know with, with those kinds of professionals like when i was at black hat i mean i was just i was just in awe of the students that came and that, that came to our class i mean it was really it was really impressive to see the kinds of people that were in there um, and it's very humbling quite honestly um but it's, it's a lot of fun because you they learn from you you learn from them and there's this mutual exchange of ideas and information and so it's a it's a it's a it's a really good experience not to say that teaching more junior personnel isn't fun in and of itself but uh that's those are the kinds of things that i like about it so i can't remember what the wording was that you used but um uh maybe you guys remember but you were talking about how you were teaching you didn't want to teach and i'm gonna i'm gonna ask a real question in a bit but um, what did you say? Like you didn't want to teach them full data science, but you wanted to teach them how to do what they're doing better or something like that. What was the word that you said? So I can ask. Oh, you a question. yeah. Um, in the data science training realm, what seems like now that's out there are you have degree programs that, you know, cost a lot of money and take, you know, several years to complete, or you have like these 14 week boot camps that, you know, teach you kind of everything under the sun about data science. What, what I realized in for our environment that um, what, what I realized would probably be a better approach is to figure out the skills that really are re directly relevant for the, for the, the people that for the students and then teach them those data science skills rather than trying to make them into a full-fledged data scientist um, I don't view data I don't I get some flack for this but I don't view data science as like a binary condition I think it's a set of skills that are probably in the next five to ten years going to become more and more prevalent in probably virtually every industry and so I think you know so my approach in training is really just to figure out which of those skills would be most relevant to the students depending on kind of what their what industry they're in and then build classes and curricula around those Actually, that that's a really interesting perspective that that you just threw out there because I'm I'm wondering if this is going to be the new it's like on, on every on every job posting that's out there right now for professionals and especially security professionals I will guarantee that 80% of them have must be proficient in Microsoft Office or something similar and like what you're saying is that this in you know five eight years could possibly be the same thing as must have proficiency in something that they'll use for the words data science but they probably won't actually use the word data science in there or and and that that that's a really interesting perspective that this is going to be a fundamental you need to be able to do this kind of work you might not need to be a data scientist but you will need these skills to actually do your job that's kind of where i think things are heading and really i mean if you're an employer why not why wouldn't you want someone who maybe you know is just a killer network analyst and can also like you know wrangle data in python or knows a little bit of machine learning and can you know use that to write you know, really efficient scripts that will, you know, find malware on your network or just whatever, those kinds of things. I think it is going to be much more common in the, in the next, like probably five to 10 years. So have you found, you know, since you work with, with, with a number of different kinds of professionals, um, you know, do, do we security professionals like, you know, stand out as kind of the bozos and like, you know, the weirdos of the group or, 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 or are we better than other folks in other disciplines? I'm, I, there's, there's no pressure to actually re respond in the exact same way I asked that. Cause I asked that, I asked that a little bit of a, you know, in a shock way, but. In my experience, I've, I've enjoyed teaching the security professionals, um, for a few reasons and the first is that they're used to working with like regular data and they it, i think it's a field that really lends itself to to more advanced data analysis and 
it's I, I mean I find that the the classes with security professionals they're they go really well because I mean I'm sure most everyone you know you you go to an engagement you know the budgets are tight time is short all those kinds of things and then you come to a class of mine where I'm trying to help you do your job better so it's just it's a really it creates a good environment because everyone wants to learn and everyone wants to be there and just the fact that a lot of the security professionals have the technical background you're not having to explain things like what a for loop is or or things like that that really makes the classes go a lot better also i mean the one thing i i've noticed i mean the security professionals that i've worked with the their math backgrounds tend not to be quite the same as maybe if you work with someone who's you know like a financial analyst or in healthcare or something like that but that's okay because i think one of the things that i I believe will happen also in the next and is happening now, but you're seeing more and more of the math layer kind of like being abstracted. So as long as you kind of understand the the key concepts, you don't really, I don't, I don't want to, I'll go out on a limb here. I don't think you really need to know all that much actual math. You really need, you need to understand it conceptually, but not like the intricate details of it to kind of do really amazing things. So uh, yeah, security professionals, I love, I love teaching security professionals in my classes. I want to talk about the knowing math part because I think um, there is a benefit to not, you know, to creating an interface, to giving people a tool or a set of tools where they don't have to know, you know, they don't have to do four years of college in order to, to create a, a model or something like that. But at the same time, there's a challenge where if things get too easy, you're going to get people misusing it. And, and like you said before, when you're talking about maybe you can get a network analyst that knows a little bit of machine learning and that, that concept of someone knowing a little bit of machine learning is really scary to me because someone with a little bit can do a lot of damage, you know, that they can, um, you know, create things that, that will give an answer and everything will look great, but it's set up all wrong. It's, you know, like um, Bob and I were talking about a blog a few episodes ago where someone did a principal components analysis on a log file and because it took numeric values they converted everything to an ascii value and then added up the ascii values for a field to get a number and it was completely pointless and really almost harmful you know because then they got a result too Mm -hmm. and uh and and there was nothing in there saying that this was invalid and the person wrote right. up a blog post with a lot of pride about this. And so a little bit of knowledge, I think, can be very dangerous. But how, how have you tried to straddle that? Or have you seen people walk away with not quite enough or, you know, that sort of thing? It's that balancing, you know, the, the knowledge and the theory and the math with being able to execute as well. It's, it's a tough problem. Um, my general approach is, so, like, say, for instance, you wanted to teach a lesson on, like, um, a particular machine learning technique like classification or something and you wanted to teach an algorithm what you might have i don't know like let's just say a decision tree because that's a simple one um what you might want to what the way i would approach it would be explain conceptually how the algorithm algorithm works i wouldn't probably go into like the actual mathematic proofs of it to sh- to show that that's you know I, I don't feel that's that's really all that relevant to somebody in that i would be teaching um then explain what I do feel is very important though is that students need to understand what are the limits of each algorithm what each algorithm can accept in terms of you know inputs and and what it will give you in outputs and then equally critical is understanding how to evaluate the results that you get so if in that situation and the situation you mentioned before um, if if I had a student you know that we were we were studying that problem 
I would make sure that they understand, you know, like that this is the acceptable, you know, inputs for whatever you're doing. And, you know, if you put, if you deviate from that, then, you know, the, you know, garbage in garbage out will certainly apply. So, so where I, the, the math that I kind of would skip over is just like, I want them to understand conceptually what's happening. I might not skip some of the, uh, you know, like the proofs and the derivatives and those kinds of things, but I'd want them to know just, you know, here is the fundamental basis of it. But more importantly, though, here's how you make sure that you're getting good data into your algorithm, and here's how you evaluate your algorithm once you once it has produced a result, so that you know that you're producing valid results or not. Yeah, and and I I think that um yeah to to go kind of expand a little bit on on Jay's thing and a little bit on your answer. I I really think that we're going to start to see more of an academic treatment um, of this whole information security, cybersecurity, however people want to coin it. Um, over the next few years too. So as, as you were saying, as folks need to have these skill sets as core skill sets as part of their jobs, whether it's cybersecurity or, or just you know regular IT professionals or regular professionals um, in the IT space or in the, especially in the IT security space, uh, you know, right now there, there, there's a, a small academic community. There are small things being published there, but I think we're going to see more practical things like, like occur in biology, like occur in epidemiology, like occur in, in any kind of nature studies that, that, that I see out there. And that may actually be a great place for those folks who are doing this on a regular basis, who actually develop some of the core math that we, that we'll use in functions, but may not necessarily need to know the, the ins and outs of, we'll be able to help show some examples like that too. So I think it, it may be a problem initially, you know, so maybe, maybe I'm answering Jay here. So, so Jay, it may be a problem initially, and I agree it probably will be, and we've seen it's a problem initially, but I think it's a problem that will rectify itself partially over time, just, just as well as everything else will partially rectify itself over time too, right? You've got people who create things in Excel that aren't necessarily great things that in Excel, you, you have people who create dashboards that aren't necessarily the greatest dashboards, Jay. So I, I think you'll see the same thing occur here. There'll be some early mistakes in machine learning and, and, and statistics, but I, I think that those will rectify themselves for the vast majority of people. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, I think what we're gonna see is exactly what you said. We're gonna see some problems and we're gonna see a lot of people, like what we just talked about, that PCA article where people are, are not doing it correctly. And like you said, I think that'll self-correct over time, but there's gonna be, there's gonna be some pain, I think, um, in, in some of the applications that we're gonna see, in this, at least initially. It's interesting. Um, it's kind of a little bit off the topic, but I've been contemplating a blog post about writing about data science failures. And it seems like all you hear about are the successes and you know that there must be failures out there, but you don't really hear about, I mean, obviously no one's going to publicize their, their failures, but it, it it's, it's an interesting topic for me because I think there's a lot that could be learned from data science projects that maybe didn't quite produce the results that they're, you know, they were expecting, you know, and what can we learn from that? How can everyone benefit from that? Oh, I'll, I'll gladly put some of Jay's R code out there. for people. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I got a lot of stuff that really failed miserably. <laughs> so speaking of uh, examples, uh, when you're doing courses like that, what, what case studies do you do or use studies or, you know, what, what, um, data are you giving students to work on? Like, what are the projects? Are there any projects to begin with, I guess? Um, yes. So what I like to do in the ideal situation, and a lot, a lot of this is driven by how much time I have, but in the ideal situation, what I'd like to do is I'd like to kind of build something from beginning to end and show the entire process from gathering data, cleaning it, doing some exploratory analysis to figure out if your data is any good, and then, you know, applying some, you know, just 
basic analysis and then doing some predictions with some machine learning or something like that and also visualizing data along the way. So the class we taught at Black Hat um, is, is I think a good example of what I was, what I was hoping to do in, those, in, that, in that sense. So what, what we did was the first day of it is all it's data gathering and what, what the, um, let me back up a step. The problem that we face, this, we give the students is how can you determine whether or not a particular website is potentially malicious or a URL is, is potentially malicious. And so what we give them is DNS records. We give them a whole slew of different data and we try to make it as real as possible. So we give data that is not perfectly clean. It's, you know, it's messy. It, there's duplicate records. There's all kinds of things that you are very likely to encounter in real life. We show a series of techniques for how you would deal with that and get your data into a state where you can actually use it. And then, you know, then visualize it. And then in the Black Hat class, we actually build a classifier um, that will, based on the lexical features in the URL, will figure out whether or not it's potentially malicious. Um, and then once we've done that, we teach them how to evaluate it. And at Black Hat, you know, we offered beer for the person who could then extend it and build the most accurate classifier. Um, so, but uh, that's that's my general methodology of that. Um, I like to try to make situations as real as possible. So one of the things that I've, I've one of the things I've noticed in a lot of other data science training or competitions or other things that are out there is the data is always you know like pristine and i'm sure that that happens with nobody out there right so yeah, um, yeah. so I, I one of my other kind of core philosophies is that people who are good at manipulating data cleaning it and figuring out how to use it like that will make inherently better data scientists so i i believe those those core skills of you know data prep are just really really important so uh, we spend a decent amount of time doing that and so that students can get pretty good at that. Yeah, I mean, it isn't just you mean in the prep thing too. Like some people may think they've got good data. Like it may even be coming from a database. But when when you're talking about let's say stored log files, even from like a centralized repository like Splunk, what you end up maybe getting back from that could be really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, we we actually at work this past week ran into some uh, very strange URLs that had some very strange encodings that weren't even Unicode. They were just they were valid characters inside URLs, but they they were designed to throw off um, the analysis that 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 I think data science scientists and security might actually be doing. So it was a pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting that 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 we're coming up on that probably even more in in our field because. We we actually have adverse like unlike a lot of fields where like you know the the adversaries are you know tiny bacteria or atoms or or you know the the the, the flu strains you know our adversaries are intelligent who are going to deliberately try to thwart what we're doing so we have we have an even greater problem of just the data you know data data munging we have is is the data actually malicious data trying to actually thwart our analysis in that way too yeah and I think uh, Alex Hutton said it best when he said uh, raindrops do not try to evade the umbrella. In other disciplines. <laughs> what else is interesting, though, talking about the cleaning of data and the preparation of data is that within security, I don't know if it's different than other fields, but, you know, I mean, you might you might spend some time where you've got a, a column of data that's just an IP address, and it might take you some time to clean that up and find missing values and things like that. But then given an IP address, there's a whole second stage of, like, what other information do we pull and include about that IP address? Or a DNS name is the same thing. Getting all of the, the data associated with a data point is like the second stage and all part of that data munging and data cleaning and data preparation. And so that's that's another skill that I think we have we have in this industry that we need to focus on and develop. 
that is a big theme in our in our training in our longer classes we spend a lot more time on that but um a big theme of, of that I, I have is like we'll give someone data and then kind of say, well, what else can you do with it? What can you use these seeds to, you know, to go find? And so um, one of the examples actually we do have is uh, we give students a list of IP addresses and then have them figure out how to get when we teach them how to you know query APIs automatically. So then how would they then build out, you know, a, a list of, um, you know, like any kind of geolocational information they can get on the IPs or or anything like that. Um, yeah, so that that's it's a very important uh, skill to be able to merge data sets and uh, build new new data uh, from from existing data. So, as students um, come into your classroom, what would you say that the um, the biggest challenges that they're facing? Like, are they are they coming with all the skills necessary, or are there certain deficiencies? You know, what are their biggest challenges they come into that classroom? The biggest challenge that we face are. Um, students coding abilities like they may have coded before but they may never they may not have mm -hmm. coded in the way that we that we teach people to um, I use the the pandas library in Python for our classes and I really find that it's a it's a very different way of thinking in terms of when you write code like for instance when I I started out you know many many years ago writing Perl code and you know if you had like a, a a list of stuff that you know you would write. Okay, you would see. Oh, I have this list of data. I'm going to write a list that's going to iterate through it to do some operation on this data set. Well, with pandas, it's there's a whole mind shift where you have to kind of t teach someone. Don't think of iterating through things. Think of things as an operation on an entire data set. You do it all at once, um, and it's a real. I don't know. I've noticed that people struggle with that concept. Yeah, the biggest things I've seen people really struggle with is just the the initial coding hurdle if they don't have that kind of experience, and the shift between like traditional, like I would say, iterative programming and uh, and kind of the way pandas uh, operates. Actually, that that that's a good segue for me, and th this is probably more of a surprise question for you since we we didn't actually cover it ahead of time. But if you've listened to our our show or read anything that 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 I write on the internet, you knew it was coming. So so why why do you hold your students back by teaching them Python versus R? <laughs> um, so we actually ha this is a, a big debate amongst my team about whether or not we do Python or R. We thought about teaching our classes in R exclusively. And what we found were that most of the people in our in our environment who knew R, who knew enough R to like have a, a to, to have a class about it at least, they were already doing this data science work. Whereas the students that you know like that were they were coding in Python already, they we felt like they were the ones that we could really target and um, and get their like data analytics skills, improve their data analytics skills versus them like having to teach them a separate programming language on top of that and then teach them analytic skills. So that was really the, the logic behind it. I'm not like wedded to Python or anything like that. I think it's, I think it's a good language. I think R is a perfectly good language. Um, and yeah, it was really kind of just a question of environment. When we teach new students um, to never coded before, I find that Python is a little bit easier just to grasp because it looks more like English. We can have them like write out pseudocode that it really is not very far to write out pseudocode and then translate that into Python, whereas R, there's a little wonky syntax to it. So those are the real reasons that I've, I chose Python as opposed to R. But I mean, I, I don't, it's not like a real, I don't have like an ideological commitment to either language. 
Cool. Yeah. And, and I, I actually was just hoping to get a, a good explanation for folks out there, because while, while I am a huge art proponent, uh, I, I think, you know, at, in you know, five years, we, we could be having the conversation between using Go and Julia or something else in Julia as as the core two languages people are using for, for data science. So it's I, it's just interesting that, you know, I, I segue to that because, you know, you were alluding that folks have a, a difficult time understanding the whole vectorization or I guess in Python, you'd call it list operations uh, for for doing the analysis. And. Um, that's one thing where you almost have to start learning how to do that in R from the get-go. I mean, it's pretty much designed to do you know, the, whole, the whole vector type operations. And the folks that haven't been doing that in Python, they actually walk away with a really great skill set for doing other things in Python besides data analysis by looking at things that way and kind of translating that thinking from an iterative approach to to or a, a direct iterative, iterative approach to that vectorized approach. So I think it's great that they, they walk away being able to do cool things in their general Python programming as well as analytics by actually taking the courses that you have. So besides programming experience and getting a little bit more skill in, in programming, make sure they have some sort of basic thing, is there any other... Um, core concept or skill that you would hope people would come in the classroom with? Maybe some basic statistics or machine learning or just some concepts or anything like that? Or do you really expect them to just show up and you can give them all that? Well, most of the people who would sh who have shown up for our classes, they they may not have a, a strong math background, but they'll have they'll all have kind of a strong analytic and critical thinking, you know, uh, skill set, if you will. And so I, I if I was teaching people that I kind of didn't know that that was there already, I would somehow want to make sure that that's there. But of course, if you're signing up for a data science class, that's probably, you know, you probably are going to have that either analytic or critical thinking ability. The big thing I would say also with the training that I've done is I, I believe that, I mean, I believe that Python is a tool, but really what I want to teach students is the whole thought process behind data science and to get them thinking about data and and, and the whole data science process rather than just specifically, okay, we're going to teach you a whole bunch of stuff in Python. Um, so the, the philosophy behind it is really what I, I really want students to walk away with. Charles, what's, uh, what's next for you? What's coming up? You got anything scheduled that people can uh, sign up for a course or anything? Um, so we're in the process of making our, uh, our training publicly available. Um, I think sometime probably like, March or April, we'll have our uh, our our uh, our you know registration open for our classes. But we hope to have a series of kind of these short like crash course in data science for our working professionals. Um, we hope to ha have those available to just kind of the general public. We're also trying. Um, we are in the process of putting some of these material online. And so, if anyone is interested, I mean, um, feel free to email me, and I can get you the information. It, it's not like again, it's under development at the moment. But um, I, you know, I. I can certainly uh, share, you know, if people are curious, send me an email and I can, uh, and I can um, send them that. You're saying we there, is that Booz Allen or is that? Yeah, um, yeah, it's through, Booz okay. Allen. We hope to have, I hope to have a series of kind of, again, top, very short topic focused classes, such as like a short class on visualization, a short class maybe on Spark, that's something we're working on. We have our, our like fundamentals of data science courses, but then I also want to have some short focused machine learning for uh, classes that are for specific topics, such as cybersecurity or healthcare uh, and, and so forth. So we're, um, I'm in the process of building a, a short machine learning class. Um, and then the visualization class we have and then the like the broad overview of data science, we have that as well. So right now I'm um, 
in my, my, my work, we're kind of building out all the marketing packaging and all that stuff. And we're getting the website ready and doing all that stuff, but it should be ready sometime. I would think late March, early April. That'll be a great resource. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing that and sharing that because that's, I think this is going to fill a pretty huge gap. Um, in this space, especially if you do have a cybersecurity track for it. Uh, I, I hope listeners really keep wa watching for your posts and our posts on that because I think this is this is going to help change things. I, I hope so. I, I, I mean, I'm really excited about it. I, 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 I really love seeing and hearing about when students are able to um, use the things that we teach to like make their lives a lot easier um, or, uh, you know, or do their analysis a lot better. I really love hearing the success stories and it's uh, yeah, that for me just makes it worthwhile. And I think there's a lot of, there will be a lot of demand for it. So hoping everything goes well. And when you, when you launch that, you should let us know because we'll, uh, we'll promote it through uh, this podcast and our, our blog as well. It'll be a great follow-up to have in, in a few months after that, after it's run for a while and you start to get some experiences from there to come back and share, share some of those that you can. I, we realize that like you won't be able to share a lot from it, but it'd be cool to see, you know, to, to get some kind of, we've done this and, and hear some early, early results from it. Will do. Will do. Thank you very much. Well, thanks, Charles, for taking the time and talking with us and hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you both. So I got to tell you, Jay, that that was actually super cool because honestly, the edu the education side of data science is one of the, the biggest things lacking out there right now. And it's great to see both an individual like Charles want to focus on that and be passionate about it, but also an organization like Booz Allen be committed to, to developing courses for something like that. Yeah, no, that's really awesome that there's that type of support at his work for that. And sounds like he might be making something public. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, those materials are going to be gold to people out there because I think it's going to really help people understand how to do data science better. And that's, that's ultimately what I hope people do out there. So, And I, I also really like that thought of, you know, five years down the road, having people, you know, job requirements saying must know data munging, you know, <laughs> to have those types of skills on the, on the resume is going to be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a great alternate perspective to our, our sort of like the show we set up a couple of shows ago where we were like, is data science dead or whatever? And, you know, the the reality is, is that these are going to be really core skill sets. There's a lot of colleges, both community colleges, reg, you know, regular ones, universities setting up programs to help infuse people with these skills, not not as just a standalone thing, but also as this, it's part of what you're going to do with whatever discipline you have. So the fact that he's ahead of the game already, helping professionals be ahead of the game now, I think that's super exciting. Yep, I'm pretty excited about where he's headed and, and where the industry is headed. Well, Bob, thank you so much for joining me on episode 24. Always a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to 2016. It's going to be a great year. People are going to be able to hear more of data-driven security than they ever had before. So watch this space for even better and faster stuff. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Jake.